Hello and welcome to the premiere episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show. Normally I have a co-host, Mark Dunn, who is a trainer for Franklin's Net and is currently doing a T-SQL class for VBNet developers. However, Mark can't be here this time because of scheduling conflicts. So I'd like to take a second and introduce our show as it is the first episode. What we plan to accomplish here is to have an hour-long talk show where we interview people on the phone uh, who are of relevance to you and your work. And we will also accept calls from listeners who uh, have questions that we can answer on the air. Now, this episode's going to be a bit different because we're not going to have any call-ins on the first show. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to announce the alias for questions. And that is .NET Rocks, that's D-O-T-N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S, at franklins.net. Send us your questions about VBNet, C Sharp, .NET in general, or anything that's on your mind, and we'll call you back during the taping of the show, and uh, we'll answer your questions on the air. Right now I have Pat Hines on the line from Critical Sites. And uh, the reason I wanted to start with Pat is because he works for a company, uh, a solution provider, that does many technologies, not just .NET, and has done them all, and can give us a perspective from that third-party point of view about .NET and how it performs and what are the drawbacks, of, if any, and uh, comparing it a little bit to J2EE. And so uh, this episode is really for anybody who wants to really understand the benefits of .NET and uh, from a perspective that's non-Microsoft. So without any further ado, let's introduce Pat Hines from Critical Sites. Pat, how are you? Pretty good, Carl. How are you? Pretty good. What are you doing this evening? Uh, checking on my hundreds of emails. I just got back from uh, Hong Kong speaking at um, a technical conference. And uh, one of the subjects we talked about was J2EE versus .NET. So was this a, a general industry technical conference, or was this a tech ed? Or? It was actually Microsoft's Tech Ed Hong Kong. Um, cool. But uh, there was a lot of people in the audience that are actually standardized on J2EE. So you're a – this is interesting because your company, Critical Sites, is not only into .NET, but also into Java and J2EE and WebSphere as well. So yes. what's well, the story? Um, we're there? a Microsoft Gold Partner. Okay. But we're also a premier IBM partner and a Sun partner as well. So you've done it all? Um, yes, across the board. We've got people Lotus, Lotus certified, Microsoft certified, IBM MQ series certified, et cetera. Wow. That's great. So tell me a little bit about your company. So Critical Sites is a solution provider. <clears throat> we do custom application development and integration, everything from Microsoft Exchange, Lotus Notes, um, Domino, WebSphere, um, and we do a lot of commercial development. A lot of our customers are actually software developers, um, and we've been <clears throat> doing it for quite a while. So give me a typical example. Well, first of all, what were they talking about at TechEd, about J2EE versus .NET? That's interesting. So there's a lot of curiosity and a lot of misconceptions flying around. Right now it's, it's kind of a holy war. Um, you know, my, my platform is better than your platform, and <clears throat> we were asked to talk about it in, in terms of science. Um, Microsoft, for their, to their benefit, has done a lot of things to try to get the comparisons, but they've really centered all their comparisons just on 
ours, our, our demo apps are faster than your demo apps, and, and they haven't brought to the surface the real purposes behind why one system might perform faster in one area versus the other. And that's what we went into. We actually used most of our case studies, most of our white papers came off of IBM's website as opposed to Microsoft's website. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. So give me an example of something that they would, yeah, you would have found out there. Um, well, so I don't know if IBM wants to take this off their site, but, but they have a, um, one of the, the few papers they have comparing .NET to J2EE um, actually pretty much seeds the field to .NET. It says, you know, it is faster, and if you want to do something that's uh, higher performance, then, then you, you're going to be able to get better benefit. Um, why, why is that? I mean, why would .NET objects in general be faster than anything that could be uh, that, that would work in J2E? Well, it's a multi-layered situation. The, first of all, there, there are things that, dot, that J2E does do faster. Um, Obviously. They are be. highlighted in, um, in Microsoft's results as well. But it's only one specific area, and that is um, data. If you had an application that was just data access, yeah. um, even in the pet shop comparison and the Nile application comparison, um, J2EE does very well there because it's very stateful. And because it's very uh, stateful, the, they're very tightly correlated. You pretty I much see. point J2EE at a transaction, and it goes. Huh. Um, it was designed for that. But that's also part of its downfall in, in, the, in all the rest of the comparisons. That's interesting. So what is this pet shop thing you're talking about, just for the listeners out there? So Sun, when they, uh, developed, when they provided Java to the world, um, and J2E in specific, um, built an application for a pet shop. It's your standard shopping cart application. Um, I get to buy parrots and dogs and check out. And it's a simple web app, but it allowed them to demonstrate <clears throat> the full breadth of the web development paradigm because it was fairly new at the time. Yeah. They poured what they said, and they, they stated in, in, the, um, in the billing for the site, the best practices for a J2E implementation. And this and was Sun that did this? or Sun did that. Yeah, okay. um, You know, using an Oracle backend, okay. et cetera. Yeah. Um, Microsoft, when they finished .NET, needed a, needed a comparison. And, of course, they had the benefit of going second. It's always good if you have somebody else who's yeah, of course. cut the terrain and, and you get to go second because you get to pick up um, you know what you're shooting for, at least. Right. So they had an, uh, a third party develop an application that mimicked exactly what Pet Shop did, okay. but use Microsoft's be best practices of okay. development. All right. Um, actually, the Vertigo Software um, is the company that did the, the application development. Scott Stansfield is their president. I know him pretty well. Mm -hmm. I believe you know him as well. Yeah. He's um, an RD. He's a regional director. And, you know, knows both technologies quite well as, uh, in addition to that. Okay. So, they developed this app. They tested it. It was phenomenally faster. Um, there was some controversy because uh, fouls were cried because the .NET implementation used stored procedures, whereas the J2EE did not. Oh, okay. The J2EE one. Did uh, they the do an, pet shop? Sorry. Did they do anything else like caching on the on the web on the in the .NET one that? Um, I believe that was another point of contention because J2EE doesn't really have a caching model. Right. I mean, it's hard. It's so hard to get a. Uh, an idea from what different companies hire other companies to make, you know, to do benchmarks for, just for that reason. So apples to apples is very hard to find. Exactly, and it's and it's also difficult to, you know, let's face it, to trust anything that comes off of one company's uh, letterhead than another. Right. So, but you've done it all. You've done you've done Java applications. You've mm -hmm. done WebSphere applications. You've done .NET applications. Why don't you give me a couple of examples? 
of you know where the strengths and weaknesses are and what what you prefer i obviously think dot net is awesome but uh i haven't done those other things so i'm yeah let me up- let me go through the, the the last findings that we had in our presentation okay. that we did recently all right <clears throat> that as i said j2ee is faster if you're doing strict data layer applications the problem is there aren't that many of those around if you're just moving data from one place to another you, you probably are better off going J2EE for a pure performance standpoint. Like business to business, data to data. Really just data to data, business to business aside. If, right, if you're moving that, that's data, true because that, that implies that there's logic and everything Business else. logic, that kind of thing. <clears throat> every, every circumstance outside that, the state that is inherent in J2EE that makes that data portion so much faster hinders it everywhere else. It slows it down performance-wise. Huh. And so... You you got to seed the ground to J2EE for that one specific vertical, right. but everything else .NET has a clear advantage. It's not state driven. There's not a lot of chattiness going on. It doesn't have to maintain this. So what about other other features that uh, would be in a similar thing? Like um, what about productivity of development and and the development environments in general for Java? I know that Swing is a very popular graphical environment for Java, but I haven't heard even from Java programmers that I've talked to that there really isn't very good user interface. What's what's that all about? We had a really big project that we did with Swing, um, and it required the, J2, uh, the JRE. <clears throat> JRE is the Java Runtime Environment, and it's a download that you have to put on every client machine that uses the Swing classes. Okay. Um, similar to the, analogous to the .NET framework in, in that part. Very similar to that. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the only difference is it, it will never be included in the operating system. Right, of course. Um, so the JRE was buggy. We had problems with it in that we couldn't get pastor authentication to work. There was always a new version. Sun kept changing um, what, the availability of past versions. Right. That's that's what I, I heard. I heard a, that same complaint from other Java programmers too. That there were so many different flavors and versions out there that it was difficult to control. Exactly. And if somebody upgrades their their um, JRE, then it can cause serious problems with your application for compatibility. But you think? Um, you think? And let me just interrupt you for sure. a second. Do you think that people are expecting the same kind of problems with versions of the .NET framework? Um, I think there might be some fear of that, but we've already seen a couple of service packs that haven't caused any problem. I have uh, inside information that hopefully I won't get in trouble revealing that that Microsoft is already testing the next version of the .NET framework, um, and they're they're stressing compatibility. They're already looking at applications that are deployed. Oh, okay. Um, so the issue wasn't that there was so many versions of the JRE, just that one version wasn't compatible with the next. Yeah, you you could okay. deploy with one version, and then the link to the old version that you needed yeah. is no longer available. Oh, that's terrible. Um, so we had an application we built for a customer for a reporting system, and it was a commercial software developer. We did a reporting system for them. And what really turned them off was we spent two years developing this system, well, two man years, yeah. Uh, once it was all spec'd out. Two developers working for about, almost a year. Okay. Um, the developers built the system, got it working within the spec, got all the features going, um, but it required the, J2, the JRE. And this company that we're talking about does storage re- uh, resource management software. And the reporting system was, was this Java-based system. And they found that it wasn't being adopted by their largest customers. And so the president of the company went and talked to um, about four or five of their customers who were in the Fortune uh, 50, and they were hmm. told point blank, we're not going to allow the JRE in, a, on, in our network. We're not going to allow anybody to download or install anything. And so basically your your requirements make your system unusable by us. Wow. And so that caused them to 
not panic, but but realize they had to go back to the drawing board. There wasn't a lot of time because they they did have a few months advantage over the over the competition. <clears throat> that evaporates very quickly when you have a one year development cycle. Right. So what we did was what I would consider a very interesting experiment in retrospect. We we told our client we could redevelop the application with a new technology called .NET, and we believed it would take less time, though it was still in beta. It was actually right, so, beta one. So let me just get this straight. First of all, this is a project that you were doing with Swing. Yes. And in Java, and it was you were in your second year. Um, so it was actually two. If you if you count up all the hours of development work, it was about two man years of effort. And these aren't aren't guys who just came out of college doing Java, right? These no. Are, no, these are well. The, the interesting thing is the the developers that we're talking about had Java experience. Yeah. Um, we took the same two developers and told them, okay, go learn .NET. Yeah. Go learn C Sharp, the new language. Okay. And let's take a stab at it and do it as fast as we can. Now we had some advantage in that they already knew what they were trying to build. We reused some XML. Right. So we expected it to take less time. We figured it would be 80% of the time, maybe 60% of the time if yeah. .NET was good. Okay. It actually only took four man months to redo the system. With two guys. Two guys. Same two guys. What version of .NET was that? Um, that was beta one. Beta one? Yep. Um, it turns <laughs> that out was that a horrible version, too. It, I mean. It was. Well, we had to redo a couple of things for beta two, and then for RTM, it took us about 12 hours to rehash all the oh code. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Pat, hang on one second. I just want to remind the listeners that they're listening to .NET Rocks, the .NET Internet Audio Talk Show. And uh, you can listen to that only here at www.franklins.net. And at franklins.net, we have lots of other ways that we support the .NET community. We teach weekend VB.NET classes, myself and Russ Fastino. We teach a five-day VB.NET hands-on Masterclass, and we also teach a SQL Server class and an advanced ADO.NET class. You can learn all about that and download sample code and all that great stuff at www.franklins.net. So, Pat, back to the Swing project. That that is literally amazing. Going from uh, a two-year development cycle to uh, four-man months—that's just incredible. It it was very very impressive. Since then, we've done far more .NET work than we've done Java work. And is that not just because of your productivity? Obviously, you know, you bill hours, so productivity is not necessarily something <laughs> that a consultant wants to admit to. Well, we but... were under tight schedule in the client, but we did tell the client this was a Hail Mary. We didn't know that okay. .NET was going to be as good as it was. Okay. I have a lot of inside contacts, as you do at Microsoft. Right, right. But... But it was beta. I mean, nobody nobody had anything better than beta one when beta one was out, though. That's true. And I had a guy in my class the last week who uh, says we were talking about Windows Forms, and I was giving him my famous "Why Windows Forms Will Take Over the World" speech. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he says Windows Forms. Oh, that's terribly slow. Terribly slow. Awfully slow. And I said, slow. Really slow? I was very puzzled. And I said, Really? He says, Yeah. Compared to VB six, just incredibly slow. I'm like, what What version of .NET are you using? Is beta 1. Well, Last week you... he was using beta 1? He was using beta 1. Oh my god. Okay. And saying .NET was slow. And I'm <laughs> saying, well, okay. Use the real version. And you, and you know, the reason I said it was a horrible version, actually, it never crashed. It only crashed on me like once. And that was in some weird debugger thing. It wasn't even like the fundamental stuff. And But the thing that about it was that, yeah, Windows Forms were ridiculously slow in Beta 1 because they hadn't optimized it. Well, you know, that's they why they call it a beta. Exactly. We didn't hit a lot of bad bugs even even on the beta. In fact, we had the first 
um, Windows logo certified .NET app in the world. What does that mean, a .NET logo certified app? Well, so so Microsoft has Veritest, a third-party company, test their applications, test applications of third parties for <clears throat> logo certification. Um, you can have logo, various levels win, of logo certification, Windows, Windows Server logo Windows, certification, oh, okay. um, data center certification, etc. Um, we were the first company to bring a product to Veritest in the world that was done in Windows, for Windows certification that was done in .NET. Okay, for Windows certification. Yes, there is no .NET certification. I got it. But they made it very clear point that they had to uh, figure out a few things at, for the, for our test, so they delayed it a couple of weeks. Huh. Wow. Uh, but Fascinating. But .NET is... What, what was that application? Um, so it's actually, we for a client of ours called NTP Software... And we help them with um, some of the back-end .NET stuff and the reporting engine components for their storage reporter. Storage as in data data storage uh, so, of so, disks? Storage resource management. Of disks. NTB Software yeah. does um, lots of software that does accountability. So okay. if I have 4,000 servers in my network, I can find out how much space a specific department is using okay. worldwide. I get it. Um, so we use .NET as the reporting engine for that. Reporting engine. So we're using like Crystal Reports or some other thing no, like that? No. We actually wrote um, our own reporting controls and reporting systems using subclasses of the of the controls provided by .NET. Well, how long did that take? Well, um, so we have a general reporting component that was done in C Sharp that we've actually made available uh, in the past at, you know, after certain events um, as a third-party control. Hmm. Um, I think that took Jeff Spence about less than a week to, to fully customize so that it does bar charts. On the web? charts. Yes. Really? Yeah. It, wow. it It allowed us to really shorten the uh, development cycle because um, we didn't have to get a third-party control. Now, are those uh, are those controls showing, like, colored tables or something? Yes. Or? They'll, well, they'll show... Like Bar HTML charts. tables, or is this actual graphics like JPEG? Oh, they might... render JPEGs. Oh, wow. They render wow. JPEGs down to the client. Wow. Uh, the server-side processing, very fast. Wow. Um, anybody who wanted to see it could go to ntpsoftware.com, and um, and their, their product storage reporter uses those components. That's incredible. How lo- So how long did the whole product take, project? Um, about four developer months. Wow. So we, we did it within a calendar schedule of under three months. Wow, that's great. That was from zero to .NET certified. So, what's the deal then? I mean, why aren't why aren't more people looking at .NET more seriously? Is it did Microsoft? Uh, somebody also said in this class last week that uh, yeah, Bill Gates said that he was disappointed with .NET, and I said, well, no, that's not true. What he said was he was disappointed in the effects of their marketing of .NET. And no, I'm in, not seeing the, that as much in I, the acceptance of .NET. Yeah, I mean, it's only been out since February. Right. There are more there are more large websites running .net than than any platform that I've seen this young. Yeah. Um I mean if if you expected it to take over the world overnight then then people are their their expectations are a little high because people don't change that quickly. Right. For instance in Hong Kong they're about a year and a half behind us as far as adoption. But I also heard that in Europe the adoption rate is higher than in the US. Oh, I didn't know that. I hadn't yeah. heard that. Well, we're we're actually doing quite a few pilots. And uh, interim projects for companies who are going to .NET. We've got mm. uh, two websites that we're working on this week, um, one that we're delivering and one that we're, we're uh, got a midterm demo um, for clients that are, that are pure .NET. Do you think that um, Microsoft, in, in positioning uh, .NET as their web services platform and XML this and XML that and web service this and that, 
has sort of sold short the rest of the uh the rest of the .NET story, which is vast. Um, <clears throat> I think you only get to say things in sound bites. Yeah. And based on that, you 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 lead with the best sound bite. Right. Um, so I'll give you a bit of analysis. Back back in the nineties, and this might not make me too popular with Microsoft, but back in the <laughs> back in the nineties, Microsoft was trying to prove to the world that they scaled, that they did enterprise. Right. And in the early 90s, you, you really didn't hear about too many companies that were running mission-critical apps on Microsoft software. Right. Well, actually, on the web in general, actually. That's true. Yeah. Um, it, that was their goal. They, they started Terra Server. They started doing scalability. They started right. trying to prove to the world that they did mission-critical. And yes. now, if you go to some of the largest banks in the world, they're running .NET. Right. Um, Deutsche Bank, for instance, we've done some work uh, through NTP Software with them. And uh, they're standardized on .NET. They're actually one of the one of the case studies that Microsoft has for .NET. Wow, and they're up and running too. There's n- yes, they're definitely got they've got .NET in lots of places in their wow. enterprise. Now, so Microsoft's won the battle of, you know, we scale. Right. Well, you, you never you never done with your image. You never done with your marketing message. So what's the new message? Well, the new message is we play well with others. Uh-huh. And web services is the mechanism that, okay. you know, standards All right. in web services, the fact that Kerberos is now the it. authentication method of Windows. So integration is a big deal for them marketing-wise. That's a big message for them to get across. I understand that. So they're sitting around. They have this thing. They call it .NET. It's the next component. It's the really what I call it is an upgrade for Windows. Yep. Um, it's, a, it's the future of Windows, and, and you won't have a choice very soon about programming for Windows uh, on any other platform. You're it's the next ev- evolution. Eventually, you're going to be using .NET. Yeah. So um, if you're Windows, you know, if you want to, if you want Windows customers. So, um, well, you asked about ease of use. Yeah. Those are the people who might be listening that might remember Visual Basic 3. Right. Um, if, they, if you don't, when most people don't, um, I'll, I'll remind you of what happened when Visual Basic 3 came out. Yeah. VB3 came out. Um, it was the first easy-to-program, relatively easy-to-program database programming system. Now, right. you could program in Clipper, and you could program in Paradox, and a lot of other languages back then, db and the reason is they had the visual stuff and the programming stuff way could, before that. They had it for version 1 and 2, and then they added data in 3. And that's when it mattered. Right. That's when everybody cared. Um, a guy I know used to talk and address uh, people at Open House, and he said, 80% of software applications or business applications use a database. And he stopped saying that when somebody said, what are the other 20%? Right. So <laughs> what, what Visual Basic 3 did is it allowed a, a very large group of people to become programmers and actually become productive. Right. And then we lost a some lot would of say that. some would say to a fault, but you know some would say to a fault. That's true, but but it's much better for a kernel developer, kernel level Windows developer, to work on the kernel and task swapping and, and thread pooling than it is for them to work on the UI. Yes. So, um, you know, we've got graphics people in our graphics department who know .NET because it's more cost-effective for us to leverage right. them. The model, the model was use C++, uh, MFC, ATL for your objects, for your DLLs, and use VB for your front end. Right, because yeah. it was fast, fast right. and easy. Time to market everything. Well, this, there was a creep towards harder to do, harder to use. Interdev was probably the culmination of that. Right. Um, my kids are, um, next, this month, or next month, they'll be 12, <clears throat> 13, and 11. Hmm. And I tried to teach them Interdev, and they're smart kids. But I kind of gave up. There was just too much to, to go over and too much to cover. And, yeah. And and now with .NET, I'm I'm teaching them programming again because it's just so much easier for me to show. Okay, yeah. here's how it works. Do these things; it'll work. I'll explain why later. Right. 
that's the way it was back in the VB3 days. That's right. It, it really does feel like we're back the we're back right at the uh, sitting on the edge of the cliff, as it were. Right. Yeah. And that's that was a client server revolution. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we're really on the edge of another evolution of productivity. Uh, also, I mean, the numbers that I gave you for our for our um, Java versus .NET application building experience. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that we use the same developers um, really really helps drive home the, the productivity. And that also, is true. there are a lot fewer lines of code. Right. If you look at the Pet Shop application, they used one third the lines of code to get the same functionality. Now, right. the a app might of... compile to the same number of lines of code because the wizards do so much for you. Right. But it's a matter of productivity. How many do you actually have to write? Right. And isn't also that, you know, the base class library in the framework with those 6,000 objects, Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's already written. I mean, they have an army of developers in Redmond that are all writing little utility pieces for the framework right. for three years, and boom, here it is. Take right. your pick, 6,000 objects. Well, that you, do all this stuff that you don't have to do and debug. It's like if you want a base 64 encoder or decoder, all you got to do is call a class. Yeah. You know how many people don't even know that you can send email? Yes, a, quite a few. Or, or that you've got a file saving object. Right. A text box that you can just save uh, uh, attachments, post our file, attachments. Our file system watcher that'll look for the changes in a file directory or structure. Exactly. I mean, so <clears> many little nice little things in there. That right. I would I would spend days on. I had a little taste again of using the Windows API. Uh, as you know, I'm into music and MIDI and all that stuff. Yep. I cut my teeth on MIDI software, and um, I went back into the Windows API to do some MIDI processing. I needed for my band. I needed a live MIDI through router for the keyboard controller to be able to play any of the software synthesizers at the touch of a button. Yep. And uh, I wanted to do it in software, so I spent most of my time looking on the internet for samples of code because there's nothing in the help files. Right. So I found a couple of samples and I finally found something that worked and I began to understand it and piece it together. And um, the whole process took me of just being able to get a callback to fire took me, um, you know, three, three nights in a row hmm. of just, and that's just like a very simple thing. Just hacking at it. Just hacking at it and hacking and hacking until I found something that worked. And that's why, you know, those guys that were API gurus were such gods because they saved so much time, you know, because they knew the stuff. And guys like Dan Appleman have to be, you know, heralded for doing all that dirty work of finding out, you know, the, you know, what's going, really going on down there right. and how do I do it easily. Slogging but through the trenches. Right now, now with .NET, it seems that um, the real developers are that are going to be more productive are the guys that know what's in that base class library because... You could either look up and know that there's a tool there that you can just use and call one method on, or you could spend the next week writing it yourself. Right. You know, and it's the guys who <clears> don't <throat> know that it's in there that are going to waste time. But uh, there's, and, and I'm glad you bring this up because this is another interesting point, and that is that in, in the old days, which is like you know six months ago, um, in the old days you used to, if you needed to do something like ODBC direct programming or encrypt crypto API programming, right. it was like learning another language. Absolutely. Because each API was different. It was done by a different group that had different calls. It was yeah. targeted towards a different language, maybe. And so you had to become an expert, and it, and it consumed days, if not weeks, of your life. Um, now, everything's through the 6,600-plus classes of the .NET framework, and they all interface the same way. It's, it's kind of like a universal translator for objects. Yeah, that's a good point. It, it almost seems like it was written with one brain. Right. Instead of, you know, yeah. the crypto API is very different from, you know, maybe the, the DCOM libraries and things of that nature. Yeah, it really is an amazing piece of work. 
So I'd just like to uh, pause here for a second and invite anyone who's interested in sponsoring .NET Rocks uh, with, a, with a spot in the show. Please uh, send me an email to carl at franklins.net. We've had an incredible response already. Uh, I sent out uh, a, a link to an early piece of it, of this interview, um, and uh, the response was overwhelmingly positive from lots of the leaders in the .NET community and for your average listener. So uh, the numbers aren't in yet, of course, but uh, if you send me some email, I will update you on those numbers, and uh, we'll talk about sponsorship. So productivity is higher. Um, the, the code seems faster for most stuff. Yep. Um, what about compared to COM and the whole COM objects and the paradigm of ActiveX? I, you know, this is the first uh, show, and, you know, we really haven't talked much about uh, .NET in general, but you know, there's a lot of general .NET information all over the net, and Microsoft will co even come to your house. Uh, come to your house. They will come to your house. Actually, they'll come to your company and give you a free one-day, you know, overview. There's hundreds of books on the market, so yeah. so by now, you know, people understand a little bit about it. But but tell me a little bit about the difference between COM, which is Olay and ActiveX, and all of those acronyms throughout time. Yep. And and .NET. And How does what .NET are, do it? What are the differences? I mean, I, we know that there's no DLL hell. We know you don't have to register controls, but, but like, what is what? How about like performance of loading? Uh, there was that whole product of uh, MTS that did object pooling because it was so expensive to load an object. Right. And um, is well, that because because of having to search through the registry to find out where the file is to load it up? I mean, why why well, is that? What what's different about .NET? So let's talk about the evolution of that technology, because I think that's germane to, to where .NET is in that evolutionary line. So in the beginning, there was nothing, and everybody had to write applications on their own. And the most common skill set for an application developer coming out of any training session or any, any classical education was to be able to write a single-user application. The right. real skills were taken up by somebody who needed to write a multi-user application, and there just weren't that many people. There weren't enough people who knew how to do that. Um, thread pooling, object pooling, um, connection pooling, all these things are very difficult to do. And right. if you don't have a background in writing operating systems, which most people of the day didn't have, right. um, it, was, it was an impossible task. And we're so you talking, got a lot of programs that didn't scale well. We're talking before VB1 here, right? Um, well, we're talking all the way up till the, the introduction of Microsoft Transaction Service. So we're talking okay. in the VB3 days. Wow, okay. Um, now, what what happened was Microsoft decided, well, Tuxedo is kind of the, the, the software that's driving the, the uh, Sun and Java world. Tuxedo being? Is a transaction processor. Okay. Um, and it, it's a third-party software. If you looked at the TPCs, the, the transaction um, metrics right. that are used to decide cost per transaction. Okay. In the, um, in the statistics world. Right. Yeah. Tuxedo uh, used to rule the world. It, you'd have an Oracle database with Tuxedo running on it. And it would be the cheapest, fastest transactions you'd be able to find. That was one of the places that Microsoft needed to break in in order to prove that they actually scale. Um, so Microsoft came out with this thing called MTS to try to play in the enterprise. And it gave you object pooling, connection pooling, thread pooling, all the things that were very difficult to write. And you just submitted your application through in a few tags and it worked. It was kind of slow because it was out of process. With Windows 2000 and COM Plus, they took that same functionality and built it right into the operating system. Right. You got a huge performance gain. In fact, that's really the time when COM Plus and Microsoft's transactional technology overtook Tuxedo. If you looked at 
the TPCs in, in May, Microsoft was nine out of the top ten slots. Right, and all of a sudden companies like uh, Developmentor were, were out there with Don Box, you know, guys who really understood com. And they were preaching it. And they were preaching it in, uh, because that's what people needed to know. Right. It was performance. It was everything you needed to know. It was an evolution that had happened since J2EE had actually come out. And so right. it, it, already, it already surpassed J2EE's capabilities. In fact, J2EE doesn't really have that capability built into it. It uses third-party uh, transaction processors like Tuxedo. So okay. given that evolution, where are we going to go from there? Well, the biggest problems, and I guess Bill Gates said it pretty well. He said uh, when Windows 95 launched, he said, I'm going to you know, stand here and tell you how great Windows 95 is. And unfortunately, I have to disclose all the bad things about Windows 3.1. Um, he says, and in a few years, I'll have to do the same thing to 95. <laughs> but but we always reach bottlenecks. We we surpass any technology, and that's why we have the, the constant evolution. Right. Well, the problems with COM and COM Plus is, or was, and still is, the brittleness. If something happened in the registry, you're toast. If you you can't have more than one version of the same component. I, I think that's it right there. Right. That that is the if you want to point to one failing in the design of com and it goes all the way back to static DLLs that uh you can only have one loaded in in memory at one time. And it's insurmountable. It's insurmountable. It's a, it's built into the operating system that you can only in one process there's one name of a module and that's it. And so how did they get around that in in .net? Well, so one of the things they did is they acquiesced to the to the understanding that Reuse of code is the holy grail. However, it's it's not the most common instance. So with COM, um, everything is shared. All code is shared. All objects are shared. In other words, you cannot just compile a DLL and use it from one application. It has to be published to the to the system. Because the registry is the is the ultimate um, taskmaster. It's okay. the one that decides what object you're talking about. Okay. Now, given that linkage to the registry, then that meant you could only have one version because there was no multi-listing capability built into it. Um, what .NET does, and, and it could have jerry-rigged it and given it multi-listings or you know instance versions or something like that. But so instead that... of bandaging a, a system that had some brittleness into it, they took metadata, which XML is really all based on metadata, and they built it into the system that helps you identify a component. Right. So no registry required. None at all. The Everything. System, yeah. So the, the programs carry with them the information of who they need to talk to. Right. Well, it's like it would be like you going to Grand Central Station, and a com model of you in Grand Central Station is you go up to the front desk, you <laughs> register your name, tell them who you this are, is, they ladies, put it on a big board. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a classic Pat Hines uh, analogy here. I can feel it coming. <laughs> Start over <laughs> so with that one. So you go you go to Grand Central Station. Yeah. You you tell them your name, what you do for a living, things of that nature, and they broadcast it on the board. Right. Now, with with web services, you <laughs> arrange to meet somebody over by the third pillar from the left, right. and you do the business you want to do quietly, easily, privately. And, and in Grand no Central, and in Grand Central Station, that could be uh, some some very funky business, could it not? Well, if what if the what if the board burns out? What if there's the <laughs> corruption of the board, and now you're Carl Frank Frankenfeld instead <laughs> of Carl Franklin? Right, and they didn't they didn't actually think that maybe sometimes people would need to reinstall Windows. Right. Yeah. And and lose all their objects. And, right. Well, the the biggest problem with Com was also the the company B 
uh, company A gets punished for company B. Right, of course. You've heard this analogy, I'm sure. But, but I, I've lived it. I've lived it. And I, every class that I have, I ask somebody to give me a DLL hell story. And I have <laughs> almost anybody who's doing real software can give me a story. Uh, so I hear you. So yeah. that's that's the reason that the model had to be abandoned. And it also acquiesces to the fact that all code is not reusable. You know, right. I'd, I'd say 95% of all the DLLs ever written have only been consumed by one single application. So this this ability to get around the only one version in memory at one time, I guess they call that side-by-side -side versioning. Yes. Now, th that is that possible because of application domains? So you're talking about side-by-side -side in the GAC. I'm talking, no, I'm talking about side-by-side -side in memory yeah, because that's how – well, in the GAC as well. But right. I'm talking about in memory, you can have – two applications even within the same process running two different versions of a DLL. Because they have their own domain. Because each is in a different application domain. What they did is split the process up into separate applications domain that uh, domains that do sort of what the process does, but it you can go cross application domain much less expensively. Right. So it's kind of like a instead of a marshalling, it's a it's a cheap marshalling. Right. And it's very fast because we don't have to go out of process. Right. There's a lot of improvements. One of the problems with .NET marketing is there's so much that a lot of times the message that somebody needs to hear in order for it to make sense to them right. gets lost. It's not the message they hear. Well, of course. I mean, you know, people have real technical questions. They've lived through nightmares that have to deal with why can't why doesn't this work, you know? Right. And uh, no matter what language they use. Right. Even well, if they're using Java on Windows. We're seeing a lot of Java shops you know, moving towards .NET as well because they're seeing the same results that we're seeing. Right. And, and, and to, you know, to truth and fact, we some elements of our shop are Java shop. We have Java developers on staff. So have you ever had this situation, Pat? Have you ever had um, uh, a customer call you critical sites and say, we're in desperate need of help. We need uh, We have a job application that we're in the midst of, and we need some direction. And you come in and you explain... Uh, yeah, you could go down this path and it would take you this long, or we could try doing it over in .NET and had success with it. Well, so so that was kind of the app, the situation we were in with Storage Reporter. We, okay. What we've seen more often than not is a company that's embedded in J2E or other Java technologies, and they have a new application they need to build. They have a very tight timeline, and they know the timeline won't be met given their old history with J with Java. And so what they're looking for is, you know, I've heard all these things about .NET. What are the risks? We normally go in and do an assessment at that point and say, okay, these are the benefits. This is why you should do it in this language. And and we go in with an open mind to say, you've already got skill in this technology. Maybe you should stick with it. Right, and because you can do the you could do any platform they choose. Right. So we're not really vested. Right. I, I will I will honestly admit that .NET is the, the is by far the most likely winner right now. Yeah because we can get it developed faster with the same resources. Now, so so in that case, what do you think the future of J2EE is? I mean, do you well, think they'll – is this like a leapfrog thing? Well, they're they're trying to do things – there's a read-only bean now available. So yeah. it's it's a more of a stateless bean. But but it's a measure. It's a stopgap measure, not a not a shift in paradigm. Right. Um, I mean, it, I mean, isn't well. Remember when the browser versions came out? Isn't it? Well, isn't it? Yeah, I do, and I want you to tell that story. But isn't it like uh, um, isn't some isn't a company that's going to ship Java stuff for Windows ultimately going to run into the same DLL hell problems that we have with Com? If they don't use .NET, or is the JRE actually sitting right on top of Win32? 
Well, Edu- the, the analogies me. aren't as easy to make because okay. while we'd like to say this technology exactly maps to that technology, right. like you can say bytecode maps directly to IL. That's an easy Right, one. intermediate language. But it gets harder when you get to like, what's an enter- enterprise Java bean? Right. What's an entity enterprise Java bean in yeah. .NET? Yeah. Some of them don't, like, for instance, COM plus really doesn't map to, dot, uh, to Java. Right. Because they, they use third-party apps to do that. Right, right. So I, I know what you're saying, but the question becomes, how hard is it going to be to find a Java developer in a few years? <laughs> right. Okay. How um, how hard is it going to be to get productivity? Are you going to pay a premium for Java developers? Right. And I think that the answer to all those is going to be yes. There's going to be there's going to be fewer Java developers. Now, I'm not counting Java out completely, but back to the analogy of the the browsers. So, so you remember when browsers were coming out every six months? Yes. And, and Netscape. And IE, we're always trying to outdo each other. And one of the things they do is they always take on the new, the new good benefits of e- of each predecessor, right? And try to come up with some new features that would, you know, win over customers. Right. We're in. We're seeing hopefully the same shootout on a bigger time scale on a bigger platform scale. Hmm. In order to answer .NET, Java, Sun, IBM, whoever Java is nowadays, BEA, has to come out and put several billion dollars on the table and say, we're going to redo this. We're going to make it better. We're going to improve all these areas and we're going to make it so good and so easy to use that no one's going to want to use .NET. Right. IBM's already trying to go down that path. Yeah. Um, if you've installed the latest version of, of DB2, it's very easy to install. Yeah. Um, it's almost SQL Server-like in its ability to install quickly. Wow. Now, that's a big departure from the way it used to be. That is. So maybe, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. I'm 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 thinking that there'll be another version of Java that will try to answer to this, but there's got to be somebody to front the bill. Right. We're already seeing proprietary extensions in all Java's. BEA, um, IBM, all have proprietary implementations of Java. Right. Well, well it's the same story. I mean, it's happened when you don't have one company that sets the standard, and you right. have you know you have. Like SCSI was a perfect example of that. Remember, SCSI was supposed to standardize? <laughs> yes. How many different SCSI adapter types and, and versions do you have? Right. I mean, you have more of them than we did of the other stuff that wasn't supposedly standard. Right, exactly. That's because everybody has to get in there and... A little and, faster, a little better. You know. They all have to stick their flag in their territory well, and say... And they know. have to differentiate so they can win market share from each other. Of course. It's but the way the market works. It's. It'll be an interesting next couple of years because I think .NET will mature and it will it will be up to the java community to answer it either come out with something that's better or or roll over well now, they're already they're already working on stuff now we can't divulge any uh, real information here but but i've the stuff that i've heard that's coming down like like now that they have the basic core stuff down so you're talking about from microsoft not from for microsoft for net the stuff that's coming out is just unbelievable from what i've heard well they're they're certainly not letting up I can't imagine that Sun was surprised by .NET coming out. They've been, Microsoft's been working on it since '97, and they don't keep secrets that well. Right. Um, you know, they they keep pretty good secrets, but. And now .NET really wasn't didn't start out life being called .NET, did it? I mean, no, that's some that's a term that they gave it at the final hour. Right. You know, it was really an upgrade for Com Plus, was it not? Um, in, in some ways, I mean, ASP.NET. If you talk to um, Mark Anders. Okay. It. Yeah, Mark. Talk Anders. to Mark Anders. He'll he'll talk about starting on ASP.NET back in '97. Right. Um, so, so they been... fin- they finally got all their heads in one basket and said, you know, let's make this just a mammoth. Right. Yeah, I've heard Microsoft say, 
um, that, you know, when people complain about the differences between VB6 and VBNet, that they said, look, this is this is a monumental change for everything, and and we made every change that we ever wanted to make. He you know, said they they didn't cons- they didn't even consider they considered that it was going to be so different, so radical, that they didn't want to have concessions for for any group. They mm-hmm. just wanted to say how are we do how would we do it right if right. we did it over, and let's make every change we ever wanted to make, but we couldn't because of compatibility. Blah blah blah. Well, so they did make changes to it, but I, I got an interesting anecdote. I. Um, I've done nothing but VB.net for the last probably year, um, and a little C-sharp. I'm, I'm more of a VB programmer on that side of things. Um, I had to switch back to VB6 today, today actually, because I was on a machine, I needed to get something done, and it didn't have .NET installed, and I didn't have time to install it. So you're, were you surprised when it didn't put NDIF there for you? Well, that was a little <laughs> bit disappointing, but but I wrote a program in in you know pretty short order. Yeah. I think I could have written it a little faster in VB.net, but I yeah. I didn't lose any time by switching back and forth. So yeah. By the way, the application I wrote was one that, given any ta- given a table a, a connection string to a SQL server, allows you to create insert statements for every record in that table. Oh, nice! It was very nice. I like nice. that one. Um, How long did that take? About a about a half an hour, forty five minutes. That's great. It was, it was That's great. But. I think that the differences between VB.net and VB were were blown out of proportion in the in the dot in the one in the beta one days. Yeah, I think so too. I I don't think so many people anticipated the challenge of upgrading. So Pat, what's next on the horizon for critical sites? Well, we're we're still plugging along. It it turns out that most of our competition seems to be dropping by the wayside, um, which is always good news. Um, so why, still, what do you attribute that to? There are a lot of um, our competitors that that grew. Grew too fast and feasted on the dot coms. Um, they they found themselves with too many people waiting for the bubble to come back, and and it hasn't yet. Right. Uh, we're just starting to see motion now. So is that because you guys were sort of just you started late, or you you had uh, uh, no, your wits our, about you when you were? Why is that? Why most, have you Why have you survived? Clients, most of our clients are actually um, brick and mortar companies, banks, ah, that's good, manufacturers, that kind of software development companies. I mean, we've we've all, we've been around for a while, and we deal with serious software development and and integration projects, and and the dot coms didn't really play serious very often. Yeah. And so, uh, we we've done work with companies like Switchboard dot com and and some of the other more. I, actually, I guess we picked the good survivable dot coms for our clients. Yeah. Um, but you know, Stanley Tools is a good example right. of our clientele, Liberty Mutual, that kind of company. Pat, it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you about all this stuff, and I'll catch you later. All right. Take it easy. Take Bye. it easy. And that was Pat Hines from Critical Sites in uh, New Hampshire, www.criticalsites.com. Hey, so check out our next episode when my guest will be Dan Appleman uh, from Desaware, who's been around this industry, oh, ever since VB10. I remember those days fondly, and has done a great service to developers throughout the years, and now I want to catch up with him and see what's what's uh, what's new with Dan and what he thinks about .NET, and uh, it should prove to be a very interesting conversation. So if you have any questions for Dan, email them to .NET Rocks. That's D-O-T-N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S at Franklin's Net, and with any luck, we'll call you back and uh, and have you speak to Dan on the air. Uh, for now, this is Carl Franklin saying thanks a lot for tuning in, and I look forward to the next show. Yeah, see, see, yeah,